Well, today, as we wrap up this series about the Holy Spirit, uh, looking at what God has to say, I, I want to do kind of a review with you very quickly. We named the series Erased. Someone this week said, Brian, I don't understand why you chose that name. And so let me just kind of, kind of tag back in that for a moment. Erased, rediscovering the power of the Holy Spirit, came out of the idea, kind of a twofold thought. One is, some of us have never really been taught about the Holy Spirit. We really don't really understand the Holy Spirit, don't know what the Holy Spirit does in our life. And so, in a sense, the Holy Spirit's going to be erased out of our lives. We don't have His power. We're not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit because we don't know what the Holy Spirit does. And so I wanted to come to the church and say, listen, do you understand the Holy Spirit? Do you understand how the Holy Spirit works within your life? And then the other side of the coin is, sometimes we erase the Holy Spirit out of our life because we just don't want to obey. We've heard of the Holy Spirit. We study God's Word sometimes. We read God's Word, and the Spirit's guiding or directing. We're like, eh, I don't want to do that. And so the idea of erased or rediscovering the power of the Holy Spirit is going, do you understand the power you have? And if you do understand the power, are you being obedient, following that power that we have inside of us for those who are Christ followers? So let me reemphasize. The Spirit is a great gift to those who submit to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you haven't submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're so glad you're here and you're on a journey and you're discovering and going, what does God want for me? What does he have for me? So this is a great series to be plugged into trying to understand, well, how do, who's, who are Christians and what do Christians do? And what's the spirit you're talking about? And so we'd love to help you have conversations and, and cross that line of faith and accept Jesus as your Savior so you have that same spirit inside of you. We started in week one looking at John chapter 14 where Jesus said to his disciples, it's actually best for you if I go away so I can send the counselor or the comforter, the spirit of truth to be with you and to be in you. So in other words, Jesus was saying to him, listen, this idea of the death, the burial, and resurrection, it's good for you that I now go and ascend to heaven because if I don't go, then this helper, the spirit's not going to come. And so he says to him, that's a good thing, which is a good thing for you and I. Because if Jesus didn't go to heaven, then we wouldn't have the opportunity to have the Spirit living inside of us. And it's the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in that verse was called the paraclete. If you remember that word, paraclete, which it means a comforter or a counselor, a helper, a guide, an intercessor, someone who comes alongside of us to help us in life. And it's better, he says, if I go away so that paraclete, the Holy Spirit, can come and do his work. But when the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible says you will receive power. Power. And so many times referenced in the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, the word power is tied with the Holy Spirit. Well, what kind of power? That led us to week two. Week two, we talked about the power to share Christ boldly. That sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know how. How do I share Christ? I don't know what to say. We have the power of the Spirit inside of us, and sometimes we don't have to know how. We just have to trust in faith and go, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to tell someone who Jesus is. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to let people know how Jesus has impacted my life. And I'm going to trust that the power of the Holy Spirit's going to work inside of me. We have the power to overcome weaknesses. You ever feel like you're just weak? Like, I just can't do this. I was talking to someone this morning. I was coming in, talking about prayer. And she's like, listen, there's, i got to pray every single day. Because every single day I struggle. Sometimes it's just struggle to get out of the chair. And then we were joking. I said, yeah, sometimes I struggle to pick something up off the floor. You know, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And we just got to pray. Lord, I'm weak. I need your help. I need your strength. The power to have hope in a hopeless world. We are overwhelmed and overcome with negativity. 
Everywhere you look, from social media posts to news posts to the television station, reading news articles, they go to the negative all of the time. I've asked some people in the news business before, what would happen if you started a newspaper or a news station and all it was was positive news? They said they'd go out of business. And so what sells is the negative. And so we live in this hopeless type mentality around us. And so the Holy Spirit gives us hope in a hopeless world. And the Holy Spirit gives us the opportunity to know the fullness of God, to understand who God is completely as, as much as we can in our human mind. The Holy Spirit helps us in that. And then last week, we looked at the power of the Holy Spirit who gives us gifts, the gift of prophecy and the gift of faith and the gift of healing and the gift of serving and the gift of giving and the gift of leadership and on and on and on. And we actually submitted to you an idea to go and take a gift assessment and nearly 100 of you have taken that gift assessment. It's really cool and I hope you have dove in further with that and start understanding, okay, well, God, you get to me with this. Now, what do I do with this? These are my abilities or my talents, my gifts that you've given me. Scripture says these believers were filled with the Spirit and the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells within each and every believer and dwells in a believer, what? To empower us with gifts, to be able to do the work He has for us. And for those believers, it's amazing news that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So today, we conclude. We're wrapping up for now. Because I don't know if I've had a sermon series in much. You guys are like, you're stopping already? We, we like hearing about the Holy Spirit. We're learning so much. Our growth group's enjoying it. My own growth group said, Brian, don't quit. I was like, well, we're moving on to something next week. All right? It's still good because we're going to talk about Jesus. And I uh, can't go wrong talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about Jesus. And so maybe we'll come back to this in the near future and continue. Because the truth is, the Holy Spirit is such a vast, deep well, we will never be able to get to the bottom. Never. I mean, I start pulling my books off the shelf, and I'm like, man, I got like this many books on the Holy Spirit. I can't read all of them. There's no way to understand the depths. And so there's so much for us to learn. So we're going to wrap this topic up for now because we have some other things to move on to. I think I could preach a whole year on this subject. And maybe that could be a year's theme. That'd be fun. Try to figure that out. But what I want to address you today quite possibly could be the most important aspect of our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. I would say possibly because, again, this is such a vast subject, such a large topic that it may not be the most important, but in my mind as I was studying and preparing this week, I was like, this is like could be one of the most, uh, most one. We must grasp our topic today, and we must put it into action, and we cannot take lightly what I want to share with you today. It's one of those messages, church, I beg you and I plead of you, do not sit here and just hear and say, well, that was a good message. Let's go home and go continue living my life the same way I always live it. Because when we sit before the Word of God and we hear the Word of God proclaimed and we use it as the mirror, as James says, and I look at it, then there should look at it and go, man, what do I got to adjust, God? What, what needs to change? And if you get this today and you put it in action, I promise you life could be dramatically different for you. Now, it may not happen just like tomorrow, but if you put into action what we're going to talk about today and you start living this way, three months down the road, three years down the road, six years down the road, 10 years down, you're going to look back and go, man, I am a completely different person than I was back in 2019. See, the Holy Spirit is God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes right from God, and sometimes we lose sight of that word holy. We just say, well, the Spirit. 
And we, and we kind of miss that word holy when we're in that discussion. And God's purpose for filling us and giving us the Holy Spirit is to make us holy. Don't miss that. He, he, he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can be sanctified, so that we can be, be made clean and pure. First Peter 1 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. The call, the call of Jesus. Be holy because I am holy. Peter's the author. And Peter's writing this to Christians in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. And he's saying to them, listen, you've got to pursue holiness. And that's what he's written to Christians then, goes to us even today in the year 2019. He brings their heart first and foremost early in that chapter to praise because of all the great things he has done. Kind of like the song that we just sung together. That's a great song of praise. And then he comes to the call and he says, here's your call. Walk in holiness. It's a call we need to hear today in the church in 2019. See, the call to walk in holiness. Peter's like, look it, God is so great, but how will you respond? God is so awesome, but what are you going to do with your life? God is so wonderful, but what difference is it going to make in your life? What can we possibly do to honor him? There's no way I can give him enough money. There's no way I can give him enough time. There's no way I can give him enough talent. There's no way I can give him enough treasure. There's nothing I can really do besides walk in holiness. And if I don't, I choose I'm not going to, then I dishonor God in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Many will shy away from it or not even try to look at that word holy because they think there's no way I can be holy. Many will walk away from that word and, and not even try to pursue it just for so many different excuses. So let me just talk with you for a few moments this morning about what a holy person is not. A holy person is not someone that separates from other people. We are taught to be in this world but not to be of the world. To live in this world, but not to participate in the things of this world. Matter of fact, Jesus prayed a prayer like that for his disciples in John 17. He said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so Jesus is talking to his Father God, and he's like, Lord, Dad, the disciples are going to be here, and all the Christians to follow are going to be here, and they're going to be in this world, this sin-filled world, this difficult, challenging world. I'm not telling you to take them out of it, but protect them from the evil one. And many times, sometimes what we do is, well, I'm a Christian, so I can't participate in here. I can't go spend time with these people. I can't go into this location. And we play the avoidance game and go, I must avoid everything of evil and not dare ever touch anyone of evil. And what starts to happen is our friendship starts to change. Where maybe one time before I'm in Christ, while I'm participating in things of the world, and then I become a Christian, I go, well, I can't do that stuff anymore because, you know, that's all the bad people over there. All the bad behaviors. We must, church, learn what I call the principle of isolation versus insulation. We're not called to isolate ourselves in the world. We're not called to go live on an island or go live in a little community and go, I'm going to have nothing to do with the world. I'm not going to touch the world. I won't interact with the world. I'm not going to do anything. No, we have to learn how to insulate ourselves by knowing the Spirit, by walking in God, so that we can enter into the world. So we'll go and hang around with people of the world and, and maybe things of the world, but it doesn't mean we're going to do the things of the world. 
But I can go into that world, and I can participate, and I'm not going to isolate. And, and we are in this world because we are to build bridges to other people who don't know Jesus so that we may influence them with the gospel and hopefully bring them to salvation. So your friends who participate in things that you would label as, oh my goodness, I can't do that. How can I possibly be around them? They're doing A, B, C, D, or E, whatever it is, and I know that's not of God. When you say, hmm, I'm not going to participate with anymore. What you've just done is you went to isolating yourself from the world and you're saying to your friends, there's no bridges being built to you. Go figure it out on your own. You even take it further and say, listen, you can go to hell if you want to because I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Church, we've got to be in this world. We have to be. The only way for this world to be influenced towards the gospel is when Christians live like Christians inside of the world. And so you have to insulate yourself by surrounding yourself with the things of God. A holy person, so is not a person that separates from other people, and a holy person is not a person that tries hard to be good. It's probably the one I hear a lot. Many Christians walk in this world and say, I'm trying really hard, preacher. I'm trying really hard to do better. It's kind of the thought or the attitude many times. I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm putting on my little work gloves we talked about a few weeks ago, and I'm grabbing my tools, and man, I'm going to muscle up, and, and I can do it. That's not what a holy person does. People say things like, I'm doing my best. I can do the right now. I'm trying to do my best. This is a struggle for many people in our own efforts, what we try to do many times is I'm going to struggle to do really good to win God's favor, and hopefully God will see, well, you tried really hard, and you did a whole lot of good stuff. I remember when I was a kid, I used to think that God had a big old chalkboard, huge chalkboard with Brian Bolton written across it, and on that was divided right in half, and one side said the good and one side said the bad. Now he'd probably have a big old computer system. I used to think that way and think God's listing everything. Brian, Brian cussed, Brian said, Brian thought, Brian did. Oh, he helped. And the list on the bad side was huge. The list on the good side was small. And I thought, I am in trouble. You ever thought that way? Sure we have. We've, always, we've all thought that way. And that's the attitude that I'm trying to be good. But you know, none of us can ever do enough good deeds. None of us can ever contribute enough Large donations. Although, let me say, keep giving them if you want to. None of us can behave in a good enough manner to earn our salvations. Ephesians 2 tells us, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's a gift of salvation. And I cannot remember one time in my life that someone said, Brian, here's a gift. Wait, you've got to pay me for it first. And God doesn't do that either. He says, here's a gift. It's my son. And the only way to be saved except Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. And then, once you have Jesus as your Savior, you rely upon the Holy Spirit to help you, and you repent of your sinful ways, and you start pursuing a holy life. The Holy Spirit imparts holiness to you. You cannot become holy through your own natural efforts. The way we become holy is because Jesus shed his blood on the cross, and we say, I believe in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's how we become holy. And then we work at working with Christ and with His Spirit to pursue a holy life. So a holy person is not a person who tries hard, not a person who separates from another person, and is not a person without sin. Now, sometimes we say, well, I know that, but we try to live opposite of that. God knows that we're human. 
God knows that sin is part of the human condition. And he knows that we make mistakes. He knows we err in judgment. He knows that sometimes we make bad choices. But sometimes we start to behave like, well, I'll be a person without sin. I'll live with no sin. See, if we believe we don't sin, then the only person that we're fooling is ourselves. 1 John 1 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is, in not, is not in us. And so sin is something that we're going to struggle with. Even as a holy Christ-following person, you're still going to have a struggle with sin. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, you read in the great chapters of Romans, talks about sin. He says, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? It's the wrestling with sin. Why do I participate in that? Romans 3 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. There's not one of us who haven't. So we either let that sin dominate and rule our lives, or we submit our lives to Jesus Christ and allow him to take away our sin. So how does he take it away? Well, 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of all of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you notice it doesn't say some unrighteousness? He says he is faithful and just. We confess. What does that mean? We own it. Lord, I recognize I had this thought. Lord, I know I said this. Lord, I know I stole here. Lord, I know I did this. Whatever it may be, as he brings me, Lord, I confess that to you, purified from all unrighteousness, so we live in a state of holiness. And because of Jesus, we're made pure, and we are purified from all, all unrighteousness. So the Holy Spirit works in our lives by convicting of us of sin quickly and decisively. Every time I, I think a thought, or every time I speak a word, or every time I behave in a way that is contrary to God's plan and God's purpose for a living, the Holy Spirit convicts us of that error. That little thought in your head, like, I shouldn't have just said that. I shouldn't be participating in that. That thought in your head when you turn a movie on, you're like, why am I watching this? And you turn this off. That's the Holy Spirit doing His work of conviction. He speaks to our hearts and, and, and our lives and out, when we're out of alignment. And He says, listen, God has a better plan for you. Don't do that. God has a better plan for you. Participate in God's plan. Don't follow your plan. And the Holy Spirit gives us a want-to desire and not a have-to obligation to live a holy life. Holy Spirit working inside of you, you say, I want to do this because my God is so great. I want to live for him. I want my life to honor him. I want to pursue holiness. Not I've got to because there's a list of commands and a list of things that I have to do. That's why so many people are turned off to Christianity through the years because they think it's a list of commands and we have lived that way for too long. It's a love relationship. We understand how much he loves us. Well, I want to reply with my love. The best way I can reply with my love is to live a holy life. So a holy person is not someone who separates from people. Holy person is not someone that tries real good to be good. A holy person is not a person without sin. It leads us to the question then, what is a holy person? Holy person is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. Holy person is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. A holy person then chooses to live according to God's way rather than our own way. So when you know I'm saved, then you say, I want to live according to God's plan, not my plan. And so a holy person chooses to be led by the Spirit day by day by day by day. Week after week after week after week. Month after month after month after month. Year after year after year after year. I just want to live 
being guided by the Holy Spirit, which leads me to the question, well, how can we possibly do that? How can we do that? I think it comes down to a very simple verse, and it's learning to abide. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, the word abide also means remains in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now you stop and think about that whole picture right now, and it's not going to be long, and the trees are going to start budding up with leaves, and the fruit trees will start having fruit. And why? Because they're connected to the vine. And this is talking about being connected to the vine, being Jesus. And the reason why those trees can have leaves and bud of fruit is because the, the source of health, the source of strength comes right from that vine. A fruit tree produces fruit because of the sap that is running through the vine and out to the branches, which then gets produced into a beautiful apple or orange or pear or whatever comes off the tree. The leaves all get their nutrients from the vine. If they're not connected, they're dead. That's the picture right here he's talking about. And how do we then have fruit of joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control? We stay connected to the vine, and the vine is Jesus. That's our source of strength. That's where everything flows from is that we abide in Christ. And as we learn to abide in Christ, the Holy Spirit works inside of us. And the Holy Spirit then does his work of making us bear much fruit. How we do that? I wish I had time to go to a whole other sermon. But we got to learn to do what Jesus did. We must learn to walk as Jesus walked. We went through a sermon series about a year ago. Matter of fact, it was a year ago, February, and I introduced you to Holy Spirit power. And let me just remind you real quick what Holy Spirit power is. That you look at the life of Jesus. What was Jesus? Jesus was a man of prayer. Scripture tells us very early in the morning he got up while it was still dark and he went off and prayed. Jesus is a person of obedience. Several times throughout Scripture he says, I do what my Father tells me to do. In other words, he's saying what God tells me to do, then I'm going to do it. Jesus was a person of the Word. He knew the Scriptures. When temptations come, what did he do? He quoted Scripture, said, away from me, Satan, for it is written. And so he knew the word. He was a person who exalted the Father. He didn't say, look what I've done. I healed this person. I preached to this crowd. I did this. He said, no, everything I do is because what the Father does. And the Father's doing it through me. And so he deflected and said, listen, I'm just reflecting what God does inside of me. You see, always exalted God. And then lastly, we see that Jesus had relationships on purpose. Jesus had relationships with those who he was mentoring and discipling and helped keep him strong. In other words, Christian-type relationships. And then Jesus also had relationships with the unsaved. And he had those relationships on purpose. And so he walked in, in what I call Holy Spirit power. I want to encourage you to dig deeper in that. I don't have time to get into that. We'd be like we're starting a whole other sermon. Matter of fact, we did a whole sermon series on that in the month of February last year. I encourage you to check that out. You say, man, I want to buy it. I want to know how to do this. You can go to our website, and when you go to our website, there's a tab there. It says, it says grow, and underneath that says messages, and you can then go to messages, and they're all there from the last several years, and there's one there called power, how to walk deeply with God. You say, I, I want to do that. And for some, it may be, I'm going to go back and review. For some, you're newer around here, like, well, I need to know what this Holy Spirit power thing's about. I encourage you to go and watch those messages and, and just with a prayerful mind, Lord, I want the Holy Spirit working inside of me. Lord, I want to abide. I want to know how to do that. That sermon series would help you out greatly. Church, the call is that we would walk in holiness so that we're walking in partnership with the Holy Spirit. 
Let me just ask you, what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose?